All right, so today is June 28th, and we're studying, it is written, study guide number 21, In Search of the Church. And hopefully you all have received it. Thank you, Kathy, for sending them out. That is very helpful. So today we're going to talk about the church. Some people say they don't believe in organized religion. Has everybody, anybody ever heard someone say that, I don't believe in organized religion? Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, they do that. Um, but, the, but the interesting thing is that they do believe, they'll say they do believe in organized banking. <laughs> they believe in organized schools. They believe in organized health care. And they believe in an organized military. <laughs> so there's some reason why people say, I don't believe in organized religion. Now, it is true that religion has let people down in many, many times in the past. And it is true that people sometimes who engage in religious activities are not converted and can cause a lot of pain and difficulty for other people. But today we're gonna to see about what the Bible has to say about the church. So let's look at the study guide and we're gonna look at number two in the study guide, Matthew 16, 18. Could somebody read that one short verse under number two, where it says, on this rock. On this rock, I will build my church. All right. Thank you, Melissa. Mm -hmm. so, if, so if if you think, if Jesus calls something my church, it must be important, right? Mm -hmm. um, so does it matter if you go to church? Can somebody read the verse under number one, where it says, not forsaking? not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. All right, thank you, Darlene. There's a lot in that verse. So let's just look at it on an overview of it. First of all, why do you think it says that? <clears throat> Evidently it's important. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it must be important not to stop going to church what so what is that day even more so as you see the day approaching what is the day that's the end of time the jesus day time. jesus returns yes it's jesus coming isn't it mm -hmm. so why is it more important to be sure to come to church regularly at that time in the end of time i think we're going to need each other more and more as that day approaches and that as more and more Christians are persecuted and as we're um, instructed or told to do things that we know are not right. And if we are not in a church with good fellowship, you know, the temptations to give in to that will be great and we'll need everyone's support and fellowship. Okay, good. And I also think, I also think if we, you know, being in a church environment, you have to learn to get along with each other and respect each other. And as Jesus comes, he's going to take us to a different place and we're going to be there for eternity together. <laughs> so we're preparing for that to mm -hmm. live together for eternity. And uh, so we got to learn how to live together here in harmony and unity with love and respect. And only way we can do that is to be together. Mm -hmm. Very good. Good. And also to share the gospel, to share the word, 
with everyone. That's another big reason for us to be in church and fellowship is to to uh, evangel evangelism out into our communities or wherever we are. Yeah, that's right. And what a blessing it is to be able to do that in in company with some other really cool people. I mean, it's a really big blessing to be able to do that with other people. If you're doing it just out on your own, you know, you you can put a soapbox out on the on the street corner down in Chattanooga and be all by yourself. <laughs> or you can do it in community as God has designed us to do it, right? It's a lot easier to get discouraged when you're alone. Yes, yes it is. It's also a lot easier to get um, sidetracked when you're alone. That's true. Mm. Good answers. Very good. So according to this verse, look back at the verse again. What are we supposed to do at church that's mentioned in this verse? There's a strange word in there we don't use very often. What is that? It says exhorting. Exhorting. <laughs> yes. Exhorting. exhorting. What is that? What does that mean? To build each other up. You know. Okay. Teach. Yes. Yes, exactly. It means teaching. Building yeah. each other up with teaching. So if, um, yeah, it, it just means teaching. And, and it, it can mean on a personal level or it can mean in a group, it just means to teach. So that's what we're supposed to do at church. We're not com coming together just to smile and show off what we're wearing or <laughs> have a good time or be entertained. None of that. We are there to exhort each other. It's, it's there for the purpose of teaching. So there was a lot in that verse. So now let's look down at number three. And what does that say? Could somebody read that verse under number three? The churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Okay, so this is how, thank you for reading. So this is how God designed the churches to be. They're, they're walking together in the fear of the Lord, comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they're being multiplied. They're growing. Mm -hmm. And then somebody read number four, that verse where it says the Lord added. The Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. So the church must be important. Who's doing the adding? The Lord. God the Lord. Doing, right? Yes, God is adding. So it, it wouldn't be quite right for me to say, I'm not, I don't believe in this church stuff. Um, Jesus is calling it my church. The church is in the early New Testament. We're growing and multiplying, and God is adding to the church people who are being saved. So the church must be very, very important and to be part of it is important. So now let's look at number seven in the study guide. What are the characteristics of God's end time church? Could somebody read those two verses? The dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Who keeps the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ? Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. All right. So those are the characteristics 
the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And we've talked about that many times before. You have to have both of those. If you have one and not the other, it the, the, the one mm -hmm. makes the other meaningful and relevant, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so now we're going to look in Revelation, and let's actually open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12. And we're going to see um, the church in, in symbols. We know Revelation is written in, in signs and symbols. Could somebody read Revelation 12, uh, 1 and 2? And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. Okay, so here's a woman. She's beautiful, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet. The, the, the crown is, is a garland of victory. She's with child, about to give birth. And then what appears? What other sign appears in heaven? A great red what? Dragon. Dragon. I love dragon. <laughs> and is this a nice fellow? No, it's <laughs> not. No, I would say not too. And what is he trying to do in verse four? She's waiting for the baby to be born so he can do what? Devour. Yeah, so this is not a nice thing. <laughs> of course, we know the dragon is Satan, right? And that's in verse 9. In case there's any doubt about who the dragon is, it's the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. So, so we have this woman who's about to give birth, and Satan there is trying to snatch away her baby and devour it. And so who is her son in verse 5? Could somebody read that, that verse? She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Okay, so now we know who the, who the baby is, right? Who is it? Mm -hmm. Jesus. Jesus. It has to be Jesus, for sure, right? So some people look at this prophecy and say, well, this, the woman must be Mary because she's the one that gave birth to Jesus. And that's a very logical conclusion, except that we have to remember that Revelation is written in signs and symbols. And so we have to say, well, could it be that there's something a little bit broader than that? So the woman is, is maybe it's Mary, but maybe it's broader than that. And if you look down to verse um, 13, um, could somebody read that? What does the dragon do to the woman? Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. All right. So now we're seeing, okay, this must be something broader than just Mary. It has to be, it has to be, um, uh, and, and we know it's God's people. So look at the study guide number six. What symbol is used in the Bible to represent a church? Could somebody read that verse under number six? I have likened the daughter of Zion to a lovely and delicate woman. Okay. 
So now we say that, that God's people in Bible prophecy is symbolized by a woman. So this woman is really God's people. It's, it's the church. And, um, and we see that over and over again in the Bible. We see that God is representing his church or his people as a woman or as his bride. We've seen that. We, we see that several places. So now we can say, okay, this woman in Revelation 12 is the church. And in what the verse we read in verse 13, Satan's persecuting the woman who gave birth to Jesus. And certainly he has persecuted the church down through the centuries. So that's, that's the background of where we're headed here in Revelation. Um, let's look at the study guide. Oh, yes. Yeah, so that's this, also the study guide number nine. And throughout the centuries, enormous numbers of people have been persecuted. Um, so how did the persecution happen? In the early days of the Christian church, there was severe persecution by the state um, because they were part of the Roman Empire. Um, Rome required worship of the emperor. Um, he was considered one of the gods. Christians could not do that because they have one God. The Jews couldn't do it either. Um, we, have, we have one God. And we cannot worship many gods. The people the, in, in the times of the Romans, the other people didn't care because their religion was multi-theistic. They had many gods. So if you just add one more, it's really no big deal. Sure, if the emperor wants to be worshipped, we'll just add him to the long list. But Christians can't do that. And so they were severely persecuted by the state. Then the state actually blended with the church and we talked about that in the earlier study guide. And then compromise came in, errors crept into the church. And that's when Sunday worship became um, popular. That's when they started believing the soul was immortal and the hell was going to burn forever. They were baptizing babies. Images came into the church. Salvation came through priests and confessionals. And sinning was okay. You just had to get forgiveness or indulgence. And so there was this this huge falling away by the Christian church. Let's go to the study guide number 10. Could somebody read that verse? Let no one deceive you by any means for that day, the second coming will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So, so that, that happened. We can see that happening in around the 300s to 500s AD, that all these errors came flooding into the church um, and, and, and people got mixed up. So you have truth, a foundation of truth from the Bible. And on top of that, Satan piled up all these errors. So you have a kernel of truth down here, foundation of truth in the Bible, and then so, so let's say, um, Melissa, that Lily's sleeping in her cage, right? Uh, the, the little squirrel. And there's a blanket on top of her and then another blanket on top of that, another blanket on top of that, and another, and another, and another. You would say, how can we ever see Lily <laughs> piled up with all these blankets? That's how it is with truth. The, the, the Bible gives us a solid foundation of truth. But then there's an error of Sunday instead of Sabbath, an error of 
the immortal immortality of the soul an error of hell burning forever an error of it's okay to sin you just have to get an indulgence or forgiveness an error of the priest is going to forgive you and and you don't have to go to god you're going to the priest all these errors got piled up on top and that's partly why the dark ages were the dark ages people really did not know and very few people had access to the bible so they couldn't read it for themselves and so we entered a time of darkness and that lasted approximately 1260 years and what did the true church do god's people do during the time of persecution look at number 11 could somebody read those two verses under number 11 The woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished. Okay, so she she had a place of safety. And we know the Waldenses were in the Alps. We know that there were people that went into um, unpopulated areas so they could practice their faith the way they knew that it was right um, but they were persecuted badly persecuted and how long would that last number 12 there's two two ways that the same time period is mentioned the first one is 1260 days and we know a day is a year in bible prophecy and the next one is a time times and half a time which is a time is one of Jewish years of 360 days times is two years and half a time is a half a year or 180 days. So you add those all up, it comes to 1260 days. It's the same time period. And the church was persecuted. God's true people were persecuted for 1260 years. So that's, that is prophecy that came true. And that's another way that we know that this is not just a prophecy about Mary, it's a prophecy about the church because it's broader than just Mary. And she didn't live for 1260 years, right? So, so they had all these, Satan had piled all these errors on top of truth. And then at the end of this, near the end of this 1260 years, you have the Protestant Reformation. And people started having access to the Bible and explaining it. And, and Martin Luther, for example, discovered and taught that salvation comes through Jesus alone. That's one big blanket of error that got taken off of the truth another one is the baptist came along and said baptism is supposed to be by immersion and not by sprinkling another error came off of that truth uh covering that was covering up came off of that um the methodist came along and said that god actually transforms our lives it's not just being forgiven it's being changed and the Adventists came along and said the sabbath is still a blessing for today and so you have all these errors that satan had piled up on top of truth and they have been taken off one by one until now we can see the truth of the bible and that is the purpose of god's end time church is to share that truth so what will happen to god's people in the end time Could somebody read the verse under number 13 The dragon was enraged with a woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. All right. So 
he is, how does he feel? Is he just a little upset? No, he's super angry. He's super angry, right. To make war with the rest of her offspring or the remnants of her offspring, the King James says, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. So we're going to look at what that end time church looks like. It's called the remnant or the remnant church. So first of all, have you ever been shopping for fabric and there's this table of remnants? Mm -hmm. um, and, and it used to be we would buy fabric on a bolt or maybe you would get something from a, a table of remnants. What does the remnant look like compared to the original bolt? Same thing. It looks the same, right? Same, same thing. Yes, it's just it's just a piece from that original bolt. So we would expect that the remnant church in the end times would look like the original church. So the original New Testament church was keeping the Sabbath. It was um, had the fellowship of each other. They had the Holy Spirit. You would expect the remnant church should look like the original. If it's going to be a remnant, and we know it had keeps the has the faith of Jesus and keeps the commandments of God. We know, let's look at Revelation 14. We just mentioned verse 12. Revelation 14 verses 6 and 7 talks about a global movement. This is an angel flying in mid heaven. And who is this angel preaching to? Everybody that dwells on the earth. Yes, everybody. It's a global movement. There's a warning about judgment and the mark of the beast down in the next few verses that we've looked at. Um, there's a teaching that death is a rest until Jesus comes. Verse, 14, uh, verse 13, write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the spirit that they may what? Rest from their yes. labor. Rest from their labors for the deeds follow with them. Yes. So we can see there's there are these teachings that is supposed to be what God's end time church looks like. And I hope you can see that the Seventh-day Adventist church fits these characteristics. And it's not that we think that we're going to be the only ones going to heaven, but it is important to understand that we have something to say. We have a meaningful contribution to help people understand the truth of the Bible and how God wants us to be in the end times. Does anybody have a question about that? All makes sense. All right, let's look back at the study guide to number 16. Number 16, and could somebody read that first verse? I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. So come out of her. And we're going to talk more about Babylon next week. Babylon is a, a confused religion. And, and God is calling his people to come out of Babylon and that next verse says, how many, how many flocks and how many shepherds will there be? One. One flock and one shepherd. But he says, Jesus saying, other sheep I have which are not of this fold. So we don't believe that we're the only Christians that, that love God and, and are following 
him, but Jesus, we know there are other people out there that want to follow God sincerely. And, and Jesus is saying, I need to call them. I need to bring them into one fold. I need to keep, I need to bring my people together. So that's a really important thing that to know that God wants us to be all called together. So why, why one flock? Why is it important for people to understand this and come together and come to church and worship together? I think that just as there is one savior, if we have one savior and we all believe in that one savior, then we are going to, the closer each one of us gets to God, the closer we are going to be to each other, just like a wheel, the spokes of a wheel, Christ being the center. So the closer we get to him, the closer we are to each other, making us a unified one body in Christ. That was an excellent answer. Yes, that's and, true. And adding to that, we have a job to do. Mm -hmm. And we can do our job if we are together. That's true. That's good. Anybody else have anything to add to that? Um, it's important to understand Bible teaching so that we can share it with others. Also, coming to it to being part of a church as Teresa uh, touched on a little bit earlier it helps keep us spiritually accountable mm -hmm. we are spiritually accountable to each other so if if Teresa doesn't come for six weeks somebody hopefully is going to call her up and say hey you okay are you on a long vacation <laughs> coming back and 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 that's really really important I think it's important to um uh, encourage absolutely yeah right. but we lost you we lost you but i think we know what you were saying we need to encourage each other right that's absolutely true right so the church is not <laughs> the church is not a collection of perfect people right because yeah. none of us would be allowed to join <laughs> It was a collection of perfect people, but it is a group of people who share teaching and encouragement and who want to grow spiritually. And it's a team of people who want to work together to help others get ready. Yes. So if, if you're not part of that and you want to be part of that, it's, it's, you need to reach out and talk to someone and, Hey, I want to be part of that experience. So. Are there any questions, thoughts? All right, let's close with prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that you have placed us in a church community. We thank you for those around us that we care about and, and work with that can encourage us and teach us, that we can teach each other and that we can have a basis to work together to share your good news with those who don't know your truths for this time. We pray that you help us to be ready when Jesus comes. And in his name we pray, amen. It's important to... Um, okay.
Oh man, mom, you keep cutting out. Yeah, and now she's on silent. And she's struggling. She wanted to say something. It's like we had a time lapse, you know. Yes. <laughs> Janice, type it in the chat, and we'll we want to hear what you have to say. 